Day Zero Update for August 9th, 2020. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victorio. And yeah, it's just a little bit of a smaller show today as far as uh, people here. Uh, yeah. Just the three of us, but uh, we don't have a shortage of news. Oh, uh, no, we do not. We had Sony's State of Play bring mm-hmm. a bunch of updates on games we knew about uh, and some others that we didn't. Uh, plenty of good stuff there, as well as uh, a bunch of other stuff here. Uh, you might know what Rocksteady's new game is now. Uh, yeah. We got an update on xCloud from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Square Enix finally found out how to get people to pay attention to Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's uh, Bobby Kotick uh, comes back into the picture here for Blizzard. Yep. Uh, as we see sort of how dysfunctional the pay uh, structures are there between yeah. Activision Blizzard and uh, the people of Blizzard. And uh, we got a little bit of Street Fighter V news here uh, with uh, one particular side note, but uh, we'll get here to the show in just a minute. Uh, we'll talk about what we're playing. Uh, as for me, I've been playing more Fall Guys, uh, a, sh- uh, a game yeah. that's... Uh, is still a lot of fun, uh, as I mentioned on Let's Week, and it's kind of a battle royale, but uh, a very silly version uh, based around like stuff like MXC, those kind of obstacle course shows, uh, with some of the same kind of uh, uh, challenges there that kind of come from the show, like the the door one, where you kind of have a bunch of people just bashing into doors trying to find the re- the real ones and the ones that you can break through, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a couple others that are kind of pull from elements of those shows that are, uh, for the most part, I find them a lot of fun. Uh, just the, the nature of them randomizing things. And, uh, it seems like some of the, the games are kind of for later, uh, parts of the show and others are for the start. Uh, it kind of leads to you kind of seeing certain games, maybe more than others. Uh, like the, the hex one, that's usually one of the last ones you do. Uh, yeah. Where it's kind of uh, uh, the light cycle minigame from Tron, that kind of thing. Where, but instead of like motorcycles and lights, you're kind of running around these uh, these floors of hex uh, hexes uh, on them. Mm-hmm. That as you touch them, they disappear like a second later. Uh, and so, kind of when you're landing, you're like, okay, I gotta you know lengthen my uh, my time on this floor, uh, and kind of like a, a style like Snake as well. Uh, where you're trying to maximize your time there and uh, potentially screw over other people if you want. Uh, but it has like several floors to it, so sometimes you go falling and up. People have been screwing around the floors below and you just go further and further down. Uh, stuff like that. So I've never done too well on that uh, minigame. That's one I've only seen twice, I think. Uh, most of the time I get the, I think it's called Fall Mountain. Uh, it's this big kind of obstacle course that uh, is the only one I've won on. Uh, the other one's like a tail-chasing thing where you try to grab somebody else, and the grab mechanics on that kind of mode are a little bit more suspect the way they feel. Uh, so I think there's kind of some some tightening they need to do on some of that kind of stuff for the controls, but uh, for the most part it kind of works pretty well. Uh, when it comes to things like the... The uh, obstacles, uh, or the the team games based around the balls, The I feel like there's maybe a little bit more punch they need to add to that stuff, because uh, you can kind of get into some weird 
uh, points where you feel like you're doing like a jump dive uh, into the ball that should give it a little bit more oomph. Uh, maybe there's yeah. somebody else in the other way that kind of uh, softens the, the force of that, but uh, some of that stuff can be a little bit punched up. And I definitely think uh, one of the things they can do is add more like variance, things that can mm-hmm. uh, happen uh, randomly in them. Like I think I saw I saw Ron Funch just uh, streaming Fall Guys yesterday, and he was playing the, the soccer ball. Uh, game and randomly like a fruit drop down instead of a ball. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, some more stuff like that that would be uh, a good good way to put some twists on the formula so it's not just the the same kind of thing each time. But yeah, for the most part, it's still a really fun game. Uh, just looking forward to uh, the devs kind of getting everything nailed down and start making some improvements and such. And like they said that because of the server issues that have been persisting for the the, the past uh, few days, uh, they are going to add some special items to the game for uh, the people who have been playing it and enduring it. So I'll be curious to see what that is. But they do have a special item in the shop today. Uh, it's for crowns only, like five crowns for each half of the outfit, but it's a Hotline Miami outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, pretty neat. Hopefully, see some more stuff like that. I just need to actually win some fucking games so I can actually get that. Uh, so that'll be nice. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I've been playing some Hitman 2. I started a new like little series on our uh, channel on Twitch uh, that I'm calling Socially Distance Hitman Challenge, where I'm trying to play through all the maps in Hitman 2, and which includes all the stuff from Hitman 1 as well. That uh, trying to stay. Uh, uh, away from other people in the map, uh, and try and complete my targets uh, that way, uh, which isn't too entirely uh, entirely all that hard, but uh, it does provide some uh, things that kind of go against some of my instincts, which is because you can get more than uh, get closer than six feet, uh, no melee attacks, so I can't just run up and yeah. bash a dude with a uh, a weapon or something like that, or Go up and eh. choke them out to knock them out. Yeah. So I had to actively pick up more items like crowbars and hammers and such and just throw them at people. Um, I am allowing myself to pick up items they drop so I can get closer when they're knocked out. Uh, but I cannot move their bodies when they're knocked out. I have to kill them to actually move them. Uh, so doing that. Uh, frisking points I'm just considering to be temperature check stations. So I'll allow that as a... Uh, a means to get into buildings, but I'll try to avoid that as much as I can because I'll probably be killing uh, illegal weapons on me, so you don't want to go through mm-hmm. those first points <laughs> for that kind of thing. And uh, uh, no, uh, I'd say no uh, mission stories, which are sort of the guided stories to take out the uh, the main targets in the map. Uh, not, not doing any of those, and no special starting locations, which is uh, probably fine, because I'm playing my PC version I just got a, a month or two ago during the Steam sale, so I've not played uh, much of that to actually unlock that stuff. So uh, It's a lot of like explosive items, which uh, I was playing on Paris and ended up uh, throwing this item that I thought, thought it was going to explode, and now it's just like a flash bang uh, kind of thing. So I was like, ah, crap. I had to go in and throw a, a screwdriver into her head uh, to finish her off. Uh, and then run away, uh, which added some nice little tension to it, uh, that kind of thing, though I did mess up uh, towards the end of the Hitman run where I was trying to escape, 
and ran up to a dude and knocked him out uh, with my fist, so I had to reload a save uh, to go back and do it the proper way. Uh, that kind of thing. I managed to get through the two tutorial maps, uh, Paris and Sapienza, so that's uh, uh, the first four stages uh, all done. Uh, Sapienza wasn't too bad. I did something I never really tried before, so there's an explosive golf ball you can get in your apartment in Sapienza, uh, hmm. which there's a, a mission story that you pretend to be the uh, his golfing instructor and you replace uh, his ball with uh, the, go- the exploding one, so when he goes to hit it, uh, especially as you're running away, uh, he explodes. Well, I just went and just locked onto his head and threw it at him, and he just exploded and his body just flew up into the air uh, in a pretty hilarious way. Uh, so I was like, oh, well, that works. I didn't realize that was, uh, was going to go that uh, violently of an explosion, but hey, it works. <laughs> Usually you just kind of like throw it at the ground near them. Uh, but that was, uh, that was a fun little way, but, uh, the Sapienza map also has the wrinkle of, uh, you have to take out the two targets and destroy the virus that's in this underground lab, uh, which is a place that has a bunch of people around, so it limits my ability to do certain things, but, uh, luckily I had enough items to distract other dudes and get them walking away, uh, and get in and, uh, set some, the, the, the automatic destroying virus button in the in that little lab, which is not really a button they should have in uh, a virus lab, but maybe it's uh, the, the safe, the, a safe thing, safe measure for the worst case scenario, which gets exploited when Agent Forty Seven is around. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll be doing that every Saturday, trying to get through as many of these. But there's a bunch of maps because I think there's six main maps in Hitman. There's I think four or five uh, bonus missions. I take those maps and uh, change them up a bit for some alternate scenario. Uh, one of them is one of them is like the Paris map with uh, in the winter time is like Santa's going around uh, that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of wish uh, there were some more mask outfits for Agent Forty Seven. The one I used is uh, I'm using in each map is a Freedom Fighter's outfit, where he kind of has like a bandana around his neck. So I'm like. Mm-hmm. On the cannon that he pulls it up when he's doing his stuff, but uh, that's going to be a fun thing to do every Saturday and kind of try and see if we can get through all these stages because uh, a lot of them feature tons of people in crowds, uh, and I'm allowing myself to at least uh, not worry too much if uh, people come walking around me uh, closer when I'm not paying attention. You know, people are jerks. Uh, they'll find ways to to try and squeeze around you at times in the real world. I'm just pretending everybody on these maps is an awful person that is uh, not wearing a mask in this pandemic world uh, that is going on, but we still have to take get mm-hmm. these, uh, these Hitman targets eliminated. So uh, that'll be a fun little thing to do. And uh, also still continuing to play Golf on Mars. Uh, I think I'm over 2,300 now on my PC, PC save. Uh, I think I'm over 2,000 on my mobile save, but still kind of working on that as just a a fun little thing to play here every little bit when I need some uh, something to distract me for a few minutes. Uh, but that's been uh, pretty much it. How about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, well, as for me, I'm dealing with my dog constantly barking. But, uh, yeah, uh, I finished Ghost of Tsushima earlier this week. Um, and that game was ended pretty much perfectly. It's 
made just enough of a good self-contained story, but also left enough of a sort of sequel bait. Quite the ending, uh, huh? Huh? Quite the ending, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love how they kind of uh, give you like a sort of home base afterwards so that now you can sort of get rid of, you can basically continue the rest of the side quest so you can finish the rest of the game. Um, so I finished that, and so since I had a bunch of uh, money credit from um, from GameStop, I decided to get a copy of Code Vein. And, uh, for, yeah. Code Vein, for those you who don't know, it's basically, I think Jim Sterling called it Anime Dark Souls, and that's a pretty good way of describing it. It's basically Dark Souls, but it's anime as hell. <laughs> um... It's loaded with, like, anime aesthetics. It's got, like, an anime story of, like, you know, the majority of humans are now what are known as revenants, which are basically just vampires, but they're all being oppressed by the last few humans on Earth. Um, there are some differences between it and Dark Souls in that, unlike Dark Souls, um, if you die, you don't have to worry about, like, getting uh, your soul back and having to, like, do all of that with, like, just half a bar of health. Um, if you die, you come back, you know, refreshed with all of your uh, life points and all of your uh, your refilled, your refilled, um, I, I can't remember what they're called in the game, but they're basically the Estes flasks. You know, just refill your life meter. Um, the other thing is, it's, it's not, I, I don't want to say it's not quite as difficult as, say, Dark Souls is, because it's still very difficult, but it's not quite, well, one of the big differences is that unlike in Dark Souls, you actually have, like, uh, AI companions that can come out with you and, uh, help you fight enemies, so, uh, it's not you know, so you've got that, and, you know, if you get, if you yourself get low on life energy, they can sort of trade some of theirs for yours. Um, okay, and it's fun. You know, it's a good game. Um, Would you it's say it's more approachable than Dark Souls? Huh? Would you say it's more approachable than Dark Souls? Uh, yeah, kinda. Um, a little bit, but if you're still, like, really used to, like, action RPG type stuff, it's still gonna be a little overwhelming at first. Uh, much like with the Dark Souls games, you still have like a um, a and like a, a not a stress meter, but like a you know an energy meter that you know you you have to watch because if it drains, you won't be able to attack for a little bit until it refills. Uh, you're still you know there's still like no real pause feature. There's still you're still basically going to they're not like bonfires but they're more like, they're essentially work like bonfires to um you know find places to <laughs> refill your energy as far as the combat goes is it uh i don't know if you if you if you know what i mean by rolly is it really rolly uh yeah it depends on the on the enemy um <laughs> You do do a lot of dodging like any kind of Souls-like game, but it's not quite as egregious as, like, Dark Souls typically is. Um, yeah. 
I've actually had Code Vein on my radar for quite a while, but mm-hmm. I just never got around to it. But I see that it's nearing the fifteen dollar range, so it's yeah. It's definitely it's definitely worth playing. Um, I will say that the fir- much like with uh, the original with Dark Souls, probably the first couple of hours are the hardest. But uh, yeah, it's uh, much like with Dark Souls. Once you get like a good idea of like how the how the the motion of gameplay goes, you'll be fine. And yeah, it's not quite as uh, unforgiving as Dark Souls is. Um, so yeah, I do recommend it. But also, like I said, it's anime as hell. <laughs> it's also, uh, graphics-wise, it's not quite as polished as Dark Souls is. Um, I definitely see some clipping here and there as far as the graphics go. It does, however, probably have, of all the Souls-like games I've played, probably the most... Um, the most uh, customizable player character options of, like, all of them. So, yeah, definitely worth playing. All right. And uh, that's what I've been playing. So, uh, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, uh, so like Chris, I've been playing a whole lot of Fall Guys. Um, I'm really enjoying this game. I didn't expect to like it as much as I am. So, yeah, it's a 60-person battle royale that pretty much models itself after MXC, which is a crazier version of American Ninja Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um. First day, I, I had no issues, no issues playing playing with it. Um, there were a lot of server issues throughout the week, but the first day was fine for me. Second day, I had no time. Third day, I couldn't play at all. And then they were just getting ready for the weekend. And then I played yesterday, and it, and it, it seems like uh, everything seems to be fine again. But I'm also noticing that uh, there's some speed hacking going on, and that, that obviously ruins the experience. But yeah, so far, it's a lot of fun. Um, I've actually won five times, which is five times more than I can say about any other Battle Royale game I've played in my life. So, pretty proud of that. Um, I'm trying to get this hot dog skin, which you get at, like, level, I don't know, 18 or 20 or something. I'm, like, two levels away. And uh, you, you, you get experience after every uh, match and stuff like that, so it's pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I'm hoping there's, there's some way to, like, just play with friends no matter how many people there are. But, yeah, uh, Fall Guys is great, and if you have PS Plus, I, I totally recommend it. It's free this month, and I'd even spend the money for it. Like, I'm, I'm considering just going ahead and paying for some of these micros, because the devs did a good job. Um, you know, server stuff still sucks, but that, that, that that's the way these games are um, during the first few days nowadays. So, yeah, really enjoying it. Um, I also got my hands on the Avengers beta on PS4, since, you know, the Xbox One's not gonna, not gonna be as good. Um... But yeah, with, uh, with with the Avengers beta, uh, it pretty much comes with the demo that we saw at um, E3 and Comic-Con last year. So it's a day in San Francisco, and it gives you the opportunity to play with the, the characters they have available. So it starts off with... Um, who did it start off with? I'm already drawing a blank. Um, anyway, you, uh, you use the Hulk, and for the Hulk, it's it's pretty much like a like a wild platformer because he has the ability to jump from uh, random places and of course he has his Hulk smash techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also use Iron Man. Um, and Iron Man um, can pretty much fight from the air and shoot from the air and stuff. And it's pretty cool. I just wasn't that big a fan of the controls because um, most of the controls were done with the right stick. I would have preferred something more Star Foxy, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and yeah, he has a lot of cool techniques. Thor was pretty cool too. Um... The problem with Thor is that, you know, if you're used to a game like God of War, you know, when you when you throw your hammer and you call it back, you expect some sort of force feedback from your controller. 
it doesn't happen with the Avengers, so it's it's it's, it's a little disappointing. But he, he's still fun to use. Uh, Black Widow plays like a plays like a platformer ninja, mm-hmm. and Captain America has his shield. But I don't know if if you've been pay- paying attention to any of the uh, pre-release content, Captain America dies in this game. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll come back because why else would he would they make him playable? But yeah, after that, it goes more into the goes into, into the game's plot and. Uh, I guess this was new content because I didn't see it before. So you actually use uh, Kamala Khan, who's Marvel, and she's pretty cool. She has some stretch techniques, and uh, she actually walks around the new Avengers compound as it was already destroyed, and she's seeing mm-hmm. things like Captain America's shield and all this stuff, and it's really fan service and I'm really, really liking that so far. And then after that, it opens up to the actual beta where you can um, play with other people. I haven't been able to squat up there yet, but um, it handles itself like a PVE. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so far everything else has been really enjoyable. Um, there is a noticeable lack of polish. Like you'll, you'll see random frame skips from time to time, yeah. and it doesn't transition from gameplay to trailer to uh, gameplay as uh, as nicely as you'd hope. But it's a bit. Yeah. Hopefully that stuff gets fixed. But as of right now, like um, I expected this game to be like an enjoyable seven. And it definitely plays like one, and that honestly, that, that that's what I want from it. Uh, but as of right now, it just feels a little too much like a. Um, it, it feels too much like Ultimate Alliance with with a bigger budget. Uh, so I'm hoping like it has more in that regard, and I don't know how uh, the exclusivity of Spider-Man, which we'll, which we'll talk about later, um, will really impact the the single player experience. But it's it's def- definitely enjoyable so far, and it's definitely one of the more involved betas I've ever t- t- taken part in. So looking forward mm-hmm. to more of as we go on. Um, Animal Crossing, still playing that. I haven't missed a day yet. And then Paper Mario. Um, I've beaten like the second big dungeon. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, we also did a lot, of whole, a lot of ninja stuff. And there was a point where um, you go into a break room of a, of a theme park and you see these paper mache Donkey Kong and Samus masks along with a Goomba mask. And you mm-hmm. have to use those to actually sneak around the facility so of course I snuck around with Donkey Kong and Samus, but it, it didn't work out because you know they know that they're those aren't bad guys, and uh, yeah. it was a pretty funny moment. But yeah, that's been about it. All right, so yeah, we're gonna get on to uh, the rest of the show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, uh, we have one big event here with Sony's uh, State of Play. Yeah, uh, happened on Thursday. They showed a, a good range of stuff here. Uh, we'll kind of work through, uh, talk a bit about most of the stuff. Some of the stuff didn't really seem all that interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the first one they showed Crash Bandicoot for It's About Time. Uh, showed off uh, a good bit of gameplay for this, uh, especially that the uh, they have a couple new playable characters. You can play through the whole game as Coco, kind of like the the trilogy collection mm-hmm. uh, did for uh, at least some of the games. I forget what the first one you could do that as well. Um, but yeah, also there's uh, Neo Cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets a good bit there to play as, as well as Dingo Dial, oh. uh, who is one of the first bosses in the original game. Yep. Uh, and yeah, he is kind of uh, brought into the fray and has, uh, looks like a bit of a different style as for more of a shooter, mm-hmm. uh, with a bit of uh, swinging his tail for his spin, mm. uh, that kind of thing. Uh, Neocortex kind of has his own stuff to do as well. Uh, you can create platforms uh, out of enemies. Uh, and kind of change up the, what the the platform is to better suit his, like, whatever you need to do with him. Uh, mm. And he 
uh, has, uh, well, no, that's, Dingle Dow has a flame, change out his flamethrower for a vacuum gun so you can suck up TNT barrels and launch them at enemies. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Kind of like a classic Ratchet Clank kind of gun. Mm. Um, along with that, they announced that there's going to be a bunch of skins in the game, no microtransactions mm. for that stuff. It's all kind of challenge-based. Mm. Uh, you complete in-game challenges for that stuff. It's pretty, much uh, the, it's pretty much the anti-Activision game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, kind of sound, sort of like uh, uh, Crash Team Racing in a bit where people are like, oh, they're going to charge money for all these skins and characters and such. And it's like, never really happened. You could buy the coins if you wanted, uh, but you could mm-hmm. also just grind for the the currency to buy that stuff outright since they added new ones with each like new uh, season. Uh, mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like it's going to have any of the... Uh, seasonal type stuff to it, but maybe it will. But uh, they also said that there is a kind of mirror mode called Inverted Mode, uh, and partnered with Beanox, uh, one of Activision's other studios, to kind of create these kind of weird uh, versions of all the stages in the game uh, that have different effects going on them. They showed like one where every time Crash spins, it kind of uh, sprays out paint around him to fill out the mm-hmm. the, the stage. Mm. Uh, well, so there was one that looked like it had like echolocation kind of thing every time he spun, so you mm. kind of better see like what's around you, that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of cool like visual effects and such. Uh, that kind of makes that look like a it's going to be a really fun game to play. All right, uh, and that'll be out October second. I think after watching this, like I went from slight interest to Crash Bandicoot Four to I think I want this on day one. Like everything about the game looks like. Well, first of all, like I'm not that big a fan of Crash to begin with. I, I've always thought the controls are kind of wonky. But after playing um, the the remastered trilogy, I'm like, wow, Toy Toys for Bob like really understands how to improve the game without changing all that much. And then after looking at Part Four, and I'm like. This looks like it's the Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze of the PS4. Like uh, oh. this looks like it's it's hard just the way it should be, and you know the the gameplay just looks like it's it's, it's there. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really for this this release. Yeah, yeah. They added some new mechanics like wall runs. Uh, they showed a lot of like uh, railings that you kind of grind on, but you yep. can also go under to collect boxes and uh, stuff like that. As well as I think when you're on top, you can also spin to break them as well. So yeah, it looks like they're kind of adding. Uh, the right kind of mechanics to it to flush it out mm. versus just kind of doing what they did with uh, a lot of the sequels after the after Vivendi kind of collected that IP from Sony uh, which was like the first couple I think were just like straight we're just making that kind of game again uh, while as like later on they just kind of made like an, you know bigger 3D platformers that kind of lost like what people liked about those original games mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it's it's pretty neat uh, to see how that's uh, how this game is kind of fleshing out. Uh, yeah. They followed up with uh, uh, Hitman Three, yep. kind of showing that off, and then revealed that it also has PSVR support uh, for launch that you, allows you to play all of the stages in the games from all three games uh, in VR first person mode, uh, which is pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, kind of get for that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, like how it changes too much with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is first person. Uh, I wonder how much of the physics stuff they're going to have uh, to that, like freeform physics, because you're going to be directly controlling these items. 
mm-hmm. uh, and weapons and such. Uh, but that'll be pretty fun to see how that goes. That was a that was a big surprise uh, jolt to the to an otherwise exciting release. Uh, that'll be out January, uh, I believe PS4 and PS5, but they're not really saying platforms for the PSVR stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just said coming to PlayStation VR. Uh, the next game uh, was a little bit of a surprise, Braid Anniversary Edition. Yep. Uh, they are kind of re-doing uh, all of the art in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, very beautiful style. Uh, it yeah. Didn't, it didn't really strike me how kind of pixelated that original style was. Well, it's partly uh, because, you know, it was going at a frame rate that at that time was uh, at what was considered the pinnacle. Yeah. But, and you it know, came it's out been in 2008. Over, yeah, it's been over ten, over over 12 years now. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah uh, graphic gotten better. I mean, yeah. wrong, but, like, Braid was pretty much the first uh, indie game that really took off, like, during the HD era. So it definitely... Yeah. A different feel. Yeah. It's basically know, like, when, when, when I look at it now, even mm-hmm. even with the remaster, it doesn't look all that much different. But at the same time, you know, no one's ever complained about the way Braids ever looked. So yeah, yeah, it's basically the granddaddy of all uh, artsy indie games, um, yeah, more so, or less. Yeah, the original game ran 720p, and now it's they're remaking all the art for 4K. Yep. Uh, along with that, they are adding a very extensive uh, commentary system. Mm-hmm. That seems uh, cool. Yeah. That seems cool. Which seems to show a lot of options for, oh, do you want to just hear about design for this level, or do you want to hear about art or music? Uh, yeah. That kind of stuff. You can get granular. I don't know how it works. If it's uh, if it's like node-based, you just walk up and click the node, and it'll tell you what's going on. But uh, they seem to suggest it's the most extensive commentary uh, in a game so far. Uh, so hopefully that'll be interesting to hear that it's, uh, in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that'll be out, uh, what did they say, 2021? I think early 2021. Uh, PS4 and I think PS5 as well. They just showed... Uh, the thing I liked about this uh, state of play is they kind of told you up front, this is the PS4 version that we're showing, or this is the PS5 version we're showing mm-hmm. uh, as it's running on those systems. So you kind of get a, a little bit of a glimpse of like what what to kind of expect out of some of this stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this will be fun to see how this uh, uh, break comes out and how people react to it after probably not playing it for the past thirteen years. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Next one, The Pathless, uh, the new game from Giant Squid, makers of Abzu, mm-hmm. uh, and this kind of. Uh, really put the game into perspective because I didn't quite know what to expect out of it originally. Mm-hmm. We just saw like little glimpses of, of your character kind of running through a forest with a bird at their side kind of shooting at stuff. And it's like, oh, maybe this is like a, a the rhythm action game kind of thing. And this mm-hmm. kind of made it look like uh, if Breath of the Wild was just focused around bows and running really fast around the island. Yep. Because uh, you get to this big island to explore. You can go up in towers. And use this like echolocation feature to kind of highlight uh, points of interest on the map mm-hmm. uh, around the world for you. Uh, and all the way, you got these like little points that you can shoot with your bow that add to your like speed meter. Yep. Uh, and sort of along the way, you're kind of uh, trying to free up these areas of the darkness, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And there are also like enemies here that are very reminiscent of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and so, yeah, kind of as you free up an area of their darkness, it opens up uh, a boss fight that you can do. Uh, and seemingly, like, trying to... They showed one boss yeah. to this that was kind of a, a big, like... I don't know what it looked like. It was like a, a big, like, lizard, fire lizard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until you do that, you kind of have to watch out for them, because they'll be roaming around and show this dude, like, you had to, if you're moving around the grass, uh, when it's, like, looking at you, you need to stop, uh, or else it's going to find you and probably kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. And they talked about a lot of environmental puzzles. You know, you might notice, like, uh, these little uh, circles that you can kind of shoot your bow through, and if you line it up, probably get some sort of reward out of it, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, coming out of this, I, I'm really pretty excited about this game. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it uh, seemed pretty cool. When I first saw this trailer, I was like, one. it, it, it sort of gave me the vibes of, uh, I don't know if you remember, Flower? Mm-hmm. Except with, yeah. like, uh, like a, with like a whole lot more action because like mm-hmm. it just seemed like an experience more than it did a game because while it did show some interesting combat gameplay it didn't look like there was anything challenging it just seemed like hey this, this is something cool you can do and I I, uh, I definitely appreciate that but I'm wondering how long it would be because as as cool as it looks I, I don't really want to be spending like hours upon hours doing the same thing so I'm wondering how different the game the, the gameplay loop gets but it does look it does look interesting. Yeah, we haven't seen like what the the full game's gonna look like, but it's, uh, at least for this early bit stuff we saw, uh, it looks pretty interesting. That'll be out holiday, twenty twenty, uh, PS five and PS uh, PS four, uh, but they were showing the PS five version here, mm-hmm. uh, which looks really nice and striking. Uh, let's see, next one, Spelunky two. We finally got an update on Spelunky two. Uh, the long-awaited sequel to one of the big uh, roguelikes yep. back at last gen mm-hmm. uh, that uh, just kind of took a life of its own. Oh, yeah. People found all sorts of secrets and did interesting challenges like the, the eggplant run, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like they're kind of trying to uh, add in new things here and there. Like there's online multiplayer, so you can play co-op with people uh, without mm-hmm. having them next to you. Uh, which is good for the times we're in. Yep. Uh, he's fleshing out the multiplayer stuff a bit into something called the arena. Yep. Uh, yeah, all that deathmatch stuff and all that, so you can definitely do that. But the uh, kind of fleshing out the, the game itself, uh, the main campaign stuff, uh, with a lot of secrets, a lot of uh, stuff to kind of tie your different runs together as you get your uh, different skins uh, unlocked, they kind of come together into like a little community uh, that you go into to uh, before you just jump into the game itself again. Uh, a lot of secrets, like the the fluid physics they showed a bit in there. There's lots of uh, kind of branching paths as you kind of get to the end of the the level and you see, oh, there's two different ways I could go. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out like which way you want to go, that kind of stuff. So uh, it seems like a, a very fun kind of ex- expansion of the original concept. Yeah, uh, that'll hopefully keep people busy until uh, maybe another game or whatever else uh, yeah. Derek Yu uh, is working on after this. But uh, this is pretty exciting to see. All right, and it's out September fifteenth. Hmm. So yeah, just about a month from now. Uh, which I'm excited for that. Uh, I think it's 
just PS4 right now. I yeah. assume he'll announce a PS5 version or whatever else later on, but uh, for the time being, kind of getting that out now. Yeah. Uh, next game, Genshin Impact, a game that's definitely looked like uh, anime Breath of the Wild. Oh, uh, yeah. From some of the gameplay stuff, especially like when they showed like, a, a little camp with uh, enemies in it as he shot the some sort of like fire uh, attack that just caused an explosion. I was like, oh uh, yeah, that's Breath of Wild, Breath of the Wild's explosion effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of a action RPG. Uh, you can take a team of four people, and each person is uh, elemental, and they can, I guess, combine their attacks to create different kinds of reactions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can kind of swap between them as you need to. Uh, but also, you can play uh, online uh, with mm-hmm. up to three other people. Sort of each play one of the characters, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, and they have mm. cross play with that uh, PS4, PC, iOS, Android. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know when that's coming out. Sometime this autumn, 2020. Mm. Uh, so that'd be interesting to see. I wonder if it's free to play or uh, paid. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that game. Uh, the next one, Aeon Must Die. Oh, there's a interesting backstory to this one that yeah, we've learned so, about recently. But uh, yeah, so the game itself is kind of a beat 'em up game, as they mm-hmm. say here. Uh, action combat uh, over like sci-fi, uh, sci-fi epic across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very striking art style to it. That looked uh, looked pretty cool. Uh, get a little bit of gameplay there and all that. That uh, seems neat. That's out uh, PS4. Uh, later this year? Or no, 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the bigger news came out shortly afterwards as uh, the developers that were at uh, Limestone, Limestone Games, including the chief creative officer, uh, put out a version of the trailer, I guess, with a link mm-hmm. to a Dropbox that uh, suggested... Uh, as they claim here, this trailer is created with abuse, manipulation, and theft. Uh, find out the truth about the development of this game here in the Dropbox. People who worked on every shot of this are no longer with the company, holding IP rights. Some are not even paid for the work. The trailer has a pending conflict of IP. The real IP for the game was stolen from the creators via foul play. Uh, final reaction of the publisher to this information remains to be seen. And yeah. so the, the Dropbox itself had... Uh, documentation and uh, audio files and s- stuff like that to oh, yeah. provide their side of the story. Uh, I don't know that the uh, the CEO uh, has spoken up on this yet. Uh, Yaroslav Lysenko, mm-hmm. uh, who they've accused of sending threatening letters to staff, firing staff ahead of their resignation date, uh, or ignoring their attorney and more. Uh, stuff mm-hmm. like that, but yeah, the CCO Alexei Neharoshkin, Neharoshkin, uh, is one of the eight employees that's uh, handed in the resignation as a result of the working conditions before all yeah. this stuff happened. Uh, and along with that, they contacted uh, Focus Home Interactive, who's also publishing the game, mm-hmm. uh, about this stuff, and didn't quite get much of a response back. So they put out all this information out. Uh, for people ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, right after the trailer came out, and Focus Home has responded saying, 
Uh, let's see. Focus Home Interactive was informed of serious allegations raised by some of the developers at Limestone, who worked on the creation of the video game Aeon Must Die. These grievances are directed at Limestone, their direct employer. As a publisher of this video game, Focus is carefully looking into these allegations. We'll draw the necessary conclusions if they are proved to be well-founded and take all appropriate measures. No further comment will be shared until we have a clearer and complete view of, on this matter, which mm-hmm. is about as much as you can do as a publisher. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a hell of a way to uh, undercut the promotion of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to this kind of thing. This, yeah, yeah. Um, but as we've said many times before, and we'll continue to say, uh, the uh, gaming industry really needs a labor union. Like, yeah. very badly. Yeah, that's definitely a tough thing to do, especially with you know so many of these studios being all over the world. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every country, so... Uh, these one, this, uh, Limestone Games, I'm not sure where they're from, I assume. I assume somewhere in Eastern Europe, just from what the names are, uh, uh, looking like. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Kind of wild stuff, uh, here. Incredibly. Well, back to the lighter side of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next game here is Anno Mutationem. Mm-hmm. A weird name, but, uh, a cyberpunk, uh, game. Uh, with uh, kind of 2D and 3D art to it, yep. kind of very much playing off some some classical looks with the like 3D environments kind of stuff. Yeah, it's and uh, yeah, visual wise, it's very Ghost in the Shell e. Yeah. Uh, especially this one character here actually has a uh, Toko Kusaragi's hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not really too much known about the story stuff yet, but the, it seems like they're calling it an action RPG, so you can kind of uh, go around, talk to people, get uh, information and whatnot. Yep. Uh, interact with your environments, and then move into like a battle section mm. uh, where you get a broadsword, hand cannons, uh, and get through uh, some actual battle about uh, double jumps, dodging. Ground pounds, all that kind of stuff, like 2D mm-hmm. action games. So, uh, at least it has a very nice style to it. So hopefully, the, the whole thing comes together cohesively. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely a very interesting looking game so far. Uh, that'll be out in December uh, for mm-hmm. PS4. Uh, I'm not sure if it's also PS5. I don't think so. Not yet, at least. Mm hmm. But uh, let's see the next uh, game here, Bug Snacks. We finally found out what the fuck Bug Snacks is. Uh, yeah. All we've had is a very catchy song and uh, a couple of like CG trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gameplay wise, uh, you're kind of uh, a journalist, I guess, mm-hmm. in the paper that gets this weird video of somebody on the island saying like, "Hey, there's." these weird bug creatures that are also food mm-hmm. and some fucked up shit happens if you eat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, uh, managing editor is like, don't you dare fucking go to this Island. Then, mm-hmm. But then at the end it's like, well, if you do, don't you end up fall. going to this Island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, if you're going to go, then don't fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And you're seeming like exploring the Island, coming into contact with people. They give you like uh, quests to do like, 
oh, I need you to collect this kind of creature, mm-hmm. take pictures of it, uh, or, you know, do whatever they ask of you, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has a little bit of like a, uh, an adventure game kind of vibe, or maybe like a, a pinata there, but less of like the farming stuff, mm-hmm. at least as far as we know. Uh, so this looks like a pretty interesting game. Oh yeah, uh, with a nice style to it and kind of humor to it, uh, and that seems like it's going to be a launch title for the PS5, mm-hmm. uh, and will also be on PS4 as well for those that don't have a PS5 yet. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, Bug Snacks. Alright. Uh, let's see. Back to VR stuff. Vader Immortal Star Wars VR series. Uh, came yeah. out last year on Oculus and I think Rift. Or mm-hmm. Oculus and uh, uh, Index, I believe. And so it's finally coming to PlayStation VR. Uh, I don't think they mentioned much in the way of uh, uh, platforms for this, just PSVR. So it might just yeah. be next gen. I don't know. Uh, which. Could be the case as far as just making sure it runs well and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a Star Wars VR game. I think it's supposed to be light on like having tons of content and all that. It's a lot of like episodic stuff. Where it's like, oh, you go meet Vader and then you can do some Jedi stuff with your lightsaber and all that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm probably not gonna suggest expecting like uh, Jedi Fallen Order uh, mm-hmm. kind of game to this, but. That's probably pretty neat for uh, hopefully a good price. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be out August 25th uh, for PS4. Mm-hmm. So definitely seems like they're at least getting this out on PS4. Uh, curious to see like what we can expect out of upgrades for uh, PSVR games on PS5. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, we got an update on Control. Uh, their second expansion called Awe, A-W-E, mm-hmm. uh, brings Alan Wake into the whole thing. Yeah, uh, there were actually, like, uh, hints in the base game that this took place in the same universe as Alan Wake. Yeah. So, yeah, I figured he was going to show up at some point. Yeah, so AW stands for Altered World Events. Just kind of mm-hmm. the, the weird fucking shit that happens in this, uh, under this, like, FBI base. Yeah. Uh, which is already weird enough, as well as just bringing, into, bringing Alan Wake into it. He's got a beard at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. but sure, sure. Uh, Remedy likes to get weird in their games, and this fits in perfectly. Yep. Uh, let's see, one of the most questioned features, okay, replay missions, so they're gonna allow people to actually replay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, an altered item that looks like an arcade machine, which resides in the investigation sector hub, it enables you to replay four boss fights from the campaigns. Mm-hmm. So it's a much love ashtray maze. Top of that, you can also play brand new horde mode, and the machine contains a few other surprises. They're not going to spoil. Mm. So I got some rewards to get out of that stuff, as well as a new outfit for Jesse. Nice. Uh, there's an update coming out in August for free that adds a new ability upgrade, additional usability options, and more checkpoints added to some of the trickier campaign missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's August 27th for that uh, second campaign. I've never actually played that one awake, but I loved Control. So, oh yeah. I don't know what I should go back. Yeah. That seems like a shoot. Alan Wake good? Like, I played it. Uh, I haven't, but I've heard good things. I've only played like an hour or so. It's it's a, uh, I mean it's your typical like RE4 style. 
like horror game where you're walking around and enemies oh, come up to you. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. But it's all based on like shadow, shadow people, and you have to fla- mm. shine a flashlight onto them to, uh, like take their shadow like shield off of them so you can shoot them. And so you yeah. also have to manage like the batteries for your flashlights, that kind of stuff, which are branded Energizer, I think. Is that mm-hmm. what they are? Uh, <laughs> there's there's collectibles and they have the weird uh, live action show that you see on TVs as you're walking around. Yeah, uh, it's got all the weird shit they do. Oh uh, yeah, and then it's also Twin Peaks as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah, yeah. you're in like a yeah, Pacific Northwest town. Uh, it's just a little bit too weird. Mm-hmm. Not to be a coincidence. Uh, that kind it's, of stuff. It's uh, it's very Twin Peaksy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. characters you see like during the daytime, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, I need to get back to control. I got off of that for a bit, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, with control, I actually loved it, and then I got all the way to the end, and the end is just a whole bunch of waves of enemies, yeah. and uh, I just never got around to finishing it because the camera fucks with you, and all all of the red makes it really hard to see. Um, where the enemies are coming from, like, yeah. and the, that that really just made it unplayable. And um, I found out I, I watched it on YouTube. Like, I was like one wave away, and that 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 would have been it. But I I just couldn't do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I really like the style of the game, especially like when you get to new areas and just like, all right, hold on, we got to show you the title card for this area. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is fucking awesome, and it controls pretty well. Uh, yeah, the style is great. Yeah, and even on a PS4 Pro, I got annoyed by the explosions kind of causing a frame rate drop. Yeah, it's like those are the more awesome parts of the combat. Just picking up this big like tank and just fucking hurling it at something explodes. It takes takes a chunk of the the like pillars or whatever off. Uh, it's all pretty awesome, but it just doesn't run that well. So I'm hoping mm. hoping they do a free upgrade for PS5. They've said they're doing new uh, ports to the new consoles. Mm. I'm hoping they do the free upgrade too. So uh, that would be nice to see. Um. Then we got to uh, a bit of a surprise part of this state of play. Auto Chess yeah. is coming to PS4. Oh, wow. Uh, which, if you don't know, Auto Chess, it's a spinoff of Dota 2, uh, where people could make these, like, uh, uh, how would I describe like, uh, mods, in-game mods, like, custom mm-hmm. role set kind of things. And somebody managed to create this weird, like, form of chess that kind of auto-plays itself, hence Auto Chess. Uh, yeah. Using the characters in the game, uh, and as you like get between rounds, you buy like upgrades for them or replace heroes or whatever. I don't, I've seen people describe how it works, and I can never remember it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Auto Chess is the the thing that spun off the Dota 2 mod. Yeah. Uh, before the Dota 2 team made their own version, mm. I think uh, League of Legends people made their own version. Epic has their own version. Uh, Blizzard maybe does. I don't know. If, I don't remember if they do. I don't think they do. But uh, Auto Chess got to iOS and Android, and I think they made a standalone client on PC, so you can kind of yeah. bump between them with your uh, your accounts and kind of play from wherever. And so they're now putting it on PS4. Yep. Uh, Cross play and all that, so you can play with people or against people uh, mm-hmm. all over the place. Uh, and I'm curious how that's going to play in uh, on a controller. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the the last stuff you see in the trailer is the game just automatically playing between rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all the stuff you do in 
to set it up where your characters are going to go and all that. That uh, changes that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a weird thing. I assume it's going to be free to play, but who knows? Mm-hmm. The, also, the weird thing: the article says it's out October fourth, but the article the the trailer says October thirty first. So I'm going to go with the trailer over that. Uh, the next game is The Pedestrian, an indie game that came out on Steam a little while ago. Uh, but it's kind of a puzzle platformer, uh, based on, mm-hmm. like, real-world sign art. Kind of yep. thing that looks really, has a really nice style to it. Uh, the surprising thing I saw here is, uh, uh, the three, uh, people that are part of the developer here are from Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah, in rural Ohio. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at this. This is, this is really neat. Yeah, it's kind of based off of, like, that kind of signage you would see up on, you know. Yeah. Traffic uh, signs, uh, just stuff on your billboard at work. Actually, that kind you of know stuff. what it kind of rem- you know what it kind of reminds me of. You What's remember that? that old that old YouTube video of where like a dude like tran- transposed like World One One from Super Mario Brothers onto like a street onto like a sidewalk. It kind of looks like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the way the puzzle stuff works is you have the the platforming mode as well mm-hmm. as like an edit mode so you can kind of move the signs around mm-hmm. uh, or tie uh, the uh, doors or uh, ladders or exits uh, from one puzzle to different parts of another so you mm-hmm. can kind of uh, figure out like oh I need to go up this way and this will come out this way and then if I have this you know door lined up to this one that kind of stuff you can link that stuff in a really neat way mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've heard uh, from people who played the Steam version, it's it's really good, but it's also fucking hard as hell. Uh, how complicated? Because I'm not sure how nested it gets. Like you may have to go mm. progress through different signs and then link it back to the others. I don't. I forget how that much that stuff is, but uh, that'll be out on PS4 and PS5 uh, early next year, January 2021, is what they're saying. Mm. Uh, so that'd be neat. Uh, the next game here is a bit of a weird one, but uh, it is what they're calling PvPVE. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a, a heist game with uh, two teams of four mm-hmm. uh, trying to go for one uh, one chest at the end. Uh, yeah. Having to deal with uh, AI guards and all that kind of stuff, uh, as well as each other. So yep. you kind of uh, potentially let like, one team kind of clear the way for you, and then you screw them over at the end. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But uh, it's also set in the world of, I think, Robin Hood. Yeah, so it's kind of, basically grim, dark Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, very much that kind of. So you have uh, bowmen, uh, you know, big dudes in uh, uh, armor and swords or warhammers, all that kind of stuff. There's a number of different weapons, and I assume, yeah, kind of a little bit like a payday, uh, but uh, in medieval times. And that seems like an neat game. I don't know how to play it, but that'll be on PS5. Uh, from I forget who it's from. This is from Sumo, uh, Newcastle, Sumo Digital, one of their yep. teams. Uh, so that's pretty neat. And the other game that got announced for PS5 is Temtem, uh, which for those that don't know, Temtem is a Pokemon clone. Uh, made by people that are super hardcore Pokemon fans. I wanted to make game built around some of the issues that uh, they have with the way Game Freak has taken the that series. Uh, so ah. I think it's focused on 2v2, 
uh, battles. Uh, for the most part, there's no like random elements, uh, so it's purely like skill-based, is what is what they're claiming. Uh, there's more online elements to it, so you're kind of it's kind of a bit of an MMO, in a sense. Uh, but you can join clans, uh, and team up with people, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot to it. It has a really nice style to it. You know, it has the evolutions for creature for your Temtems, uh, and they got their own little uh, weird names and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they're saying it's coming to uh, PS5 as well as Xbox Series X and Switch in 2021 when it hits 1.0. Uh, so that'll be fun to see that uh, coming out uh, on consoles that are not that don't get po- Pokemon. Yep. And see how that game evolves a bit. And the last little bit here is Godfall, which looks fine. Godfall is like a uh, an action RPG uh, focused around loot and all that kind of stuff. And they showed off some gameplay and how the combat works, and it seems fine. Uh, I yeah. guess it's going to be a launch title. I don't think it's going to be anything that blows people away, uh, just from what they've shown here. But yeah, they got different weapons, and kind of like Monster Hunter, they change how your character plays, uh, that kind of stuff, so like dual blades and uh, sword and shield, uh, as well as like two-handed long swords, like great swords and great hammers, that kind of stuff, and the shield's also part of your weapon arsenal, too. Yep. That's fine. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to wait for a demo or something to really see how it shows Yeah, up. we need to get some, and you need to get somebody else to play it, too, because... This uh, the, the gameplay we're seeing here, they're they're not very good. <laughs> well, I think they're they're actually really good, but they're playing up, like making mistakes to show off different uh, things at times. Because there's times where it's like, oh, he has openings, but he just doesn't take advantage of it, that kind of stuff. And it feels very much like, oh, this guy has played this this demo three hundred times. He's kind of bored at a certain point, doesn't want to. As I do the optimal thing, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a launch title. It seems fine. Uh, but that was state of play. Uh, got some neat stuff in there. Uh, some games I know more about and I'm kind of more excited about. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sure would like to see something from about Elden Ring because we haven't heard anything about that game since they teased it last year. So Yeah, that is I think Microsoft has the uh advertising stuff on that, so Yeah. That'd probably be with uh an Xbox stream at some point. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, like with this particular state of play, it was our first real one in a while, because the last mm-hmm. couple have been about Tsushima, Last of Us, and I don't count the PS5 reveal, so it's been a while and I think they've definitely improved the format. Um yeah. it's cool that for some games, they had the dev talk about it directly, so we actually, we actually have yeah. an idea of what things are rather than your typical, typical um, sizzle reels. Yeah. So having, yeah, it's good stuff. Having good gameplay segments, so like, oh, here's how this game works, or here's the new stuff we're showing off, and here's how it works, that kind of stuff is really nice. Versus just, here's like two minutes of gameplay, we're not going to tell you anything about what's going on. you got to figure it out or wait for the developer's tweets or blog post afterwards to find out, like, what the fuck is going on. Um, but yeah, that, it's, uh, that was, like, the big, biggest event of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. But before that, uh, Sony put up a 
article on their PlayStation blog sort of saying, like, hey, here's what's uh, the current thing uh, as far as, like, using your PS4 peripherals and accessories on PS5 and how that's all going to work. Uh, so with that, a lot of your, as they say, your specialty peripherals, like racing wheels, arcade sticks, fight, uh, flight sticks, will work on PS5 games and supported PS4 games. Uh, your platinum and gold wireless headsets, as well as third-party headsets uh, that connect via USB port or audio jack will work on PS5. Uh, it seems like they're not going to have a headset companion app like they did on PS4. I assume that stuff might be just built into their audio stuff on PS5. Uh, the way they're doing like their 3D audio and all that. So they won't need necessarily like a specialty app to set that up. Uh, both your Move uh, motion controllers and your PSVR ink controller will work with uh, supported P- uh, PSVR games on PS5. Mm. Uh, which is good. So they're not releasing any new controllers for that stuff yet, so definitely need that. Uh, and the big one that's uh, got the, the bulk of the headlines was the DualShock 4. Uh, will, and other third-party controllers, licensed ones, uh, will work with supported PS4 games, not PS5 uh, games. Okay. Uh, which is not surprising. Uh, no. But I definitely think, I saw uh, one particular thing was like, people that uh, have disability stuff for their uh, hands and whatnot, uh, mm-hmm. kind of being very disappointed by that news. and uh, It definitely makes me think that there are opportunities for them to uh, make it work, just make people know, like, you're going to miss out on, you know, the haptic feedback stuff and, uh, the, uh, the trigger stuff they got there. Yeah. So, like, the, the two big things that, uh, the PS5 native games are going to be supporting and making full use of. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so, I say not all PlayStation officially licensed with third-party peripherals may work on PS5, but uh, I assume we'll get word on some of that stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, they say uh, here on DualShock 4 on PS5 games, uh, no, we believe that PS5 games should take advantage of the new capabilities and feature we, we're bringing to the platform, including the features of DualSense wireless controller. Uh, yeah, this, all, this is all pretty standard fare. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason why I would complain is if, but if for some stupid-ass reason Sony decided to not put the controller with the console. Yeah. Then, otherwise, this is standard stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xbox is uh, supporting its their Xbox One controllers, uh, which is not too surprising because they're not really changing much out of it. They're just adding like that screenshot button. That's about it. That's mm-hmm. really changing. I think they changed the D pad to the the one that the Elite controllers have. But that's like kind of the bulk of what they're doing there. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they price that. That thing, especially compared to the DualSense, I'm curious to see like what the prices on that stuff is. Hopefully, it's not like Nintendo's pricing on their controllers, which is ridiculous. Um, they also mentioned here the PlayStation camera for PS4 is compatible with the PS5, uh, but you need the an adapter that they will provide for free to PSVR users. Um, they'll provide more details on how to get it at a later date. Uh, which is nice, uh, especially the way that Microsoft kind of threw away the Kinect as soon as they put out the Xbox One S and X. Yeah, pretty much. Or just like, oh, we got an adapter, but it's only available for this much time for free. And it's like, you're mm-hmm. Microsoft. You could throw this in every single box. It would yeah. not make a dent in your uh, 
in any sort of funding you have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the PlayStation camera they're making for the PS5 will also support PSVR. So if you just want to upgrade to that, you'll be fine. Uh, I assume it'll just be resolution stuff that comes out of that. That'll be the main difference if you're going to upgrade or not. Uh, but that's uh, that's it for the uh, PlayStation news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Nintendo announced another game uh, for this fall. I think the only one we have for the fall so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Part of the okay. Wii U game. All right. Uh, uh, once again, the uh, Wii U, uh, what is it Pat calls it? The evacuation, plan. evacuation project. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps going. Pikmin 3 was really good. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. um, uh, I, I was the one that uh, reviewed the original. Pikmin 3 was definitely one of the best games on the Wii U and excited to see it on the Switch. Yeah. The mm. problem is, uh, as I'm sure we're, we're about to go over, is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 60 bucks. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. As good as it was, I'm, I'm not trying to pay a full price for that experience again, but there are some cool new features in there. Yeah, mm. so for 60 bucks, uh, the, big, uh, the big caveat is that the original game was 20 bucks on the Wii U. Yeah, uh, they pulled it down since they announced this, uh, which is weird. They were also giving away Pikmin three for free, I think, at a certain point in the Wii U's life. Mm-hmm. I think if you bought like Mario Kart eight or something like that, uh, you got it for free. Uh, some weird stuff like that, like they're just practically giving it away. But uh, it has new stuff uh, to it: the ability to play the whole story mode in co-op with a friend, uh, mm-hmm. new side story missions, uh, which can also be played in co-op or solo. Uh, all the mission mode DLC is included, mm-hmm. which was also given away for, I think, my Nintendo points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get that for free anyway. Uh, they have new difficulty options, lock-on targeting, optional hints, and the choice to play at a more relaxed pace. Uh, I assume that means they get rid of the the time limit stuff uh, for that. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's all brings back, I, I guess, that, the camera stuff they had for the original, where you could uh, snap photos of the game's lush environments and curious creatures from a pint-sized perspective. Mm. I think the biggest thing is easily the co-op. Um, and I know that would make the game a whole lot easier. So, Yeah, yeah, we don't have people kind of spread out and uh, take on different objectives at the same time. It would be uh, mm-hmm. pretty nice. Uh, it seems like it's also adding new side story missions featuring Olimar and Louis exploring planet PNF 404. And they even have head-to-head multiplayer matches in Bingo Battle. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a decent amount of stuff uh, added to the game. I don't know it's worth 60 bucks, mm. Especially as, like, Nintendo's... Right now, their flagship fall game is their only one that we know of. Uh, hopefully they got a direct at some point covering their stuff, and they've got uh, some things headed to the Switch. Uh, there's still those rumors of the Mario stuff. Mm-hmm. They have yet to confirm. Yeah, so. the, the the timing is also pretty weird, too. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody was clamoring for Pikmin, much less Pikmin 3 again. Yeah. Especially when Liam Miller announced a few years ago that he, would, that he was already working on Pikmin 4. So I'm like, where's that? Yeah, at? that's the weird thing. Yeah. Is like Supposedly they were working on Pikmin 4 and like getting pretty far into that. So it's like, you don't really put this out if that's that was actually the case. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. As I was saying, like, but Pik- Pikmin Three was great. But I feel like with this new opportunity they have on the Switch, like they they might as well just release the first two because they were also good games. And you yeah. know, um, the Switch is uh, giving all, all these people uh, new opportunities to play these franchises that they never did. Like I know a whole lot of people who played Zelda: uh, Breath of the Wild for the first time after their first Zelda, and you know, it, it, like ga- games like Pikmin are also up their alley too. So yeah. Yeah, those first two games put in a, a Pikmin collection, a trilogy collection, would be very nice. But also, they probably think they could put. They're out, probably going to make twenty bucks each. <laughs> yeah, they mm-hmm. could put out one and two for sixty bucks as well, and people would probably still buy it. Uh, even though I think they were fifteen or twenty bucks on the the Wii U as uh, digital releases, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, they're charging six bucks because people will pay it. Unfortunately. Uh, but speaking of games you may not have to actually pay for, Bethesda has announced that they are bringing Doom Eternal and Elder Scrolls Online to Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 with upgrades, and they'll be mm. free upgrades. Uh, you get those uh, for free. They have not said anything about when or what they're going to add to them. I assume with Doom Eternal especially, you get like ray tracing and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, they said they're going to announce that stuff uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, so yeah, that's just kind of coming out of the QuakeCon at home, which I don't think there's been too much announcements out of that. That's been pretty quiet. A lot of just them having people in the community stream and raise money for charity. That kind of stuff, which is always nice to do when you can't hold the, the events in physical in a physical location. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the little bit of QuakeCon news. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of stuff we've been waiting on for a long time, we finally got an idea of what Rocksteady's working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a Suicide Squad game, and it seems like the there were some rumors going around that there was a uh, a Suicide Squad game about killing the Justice League. And this like mm-hmm. teaser image is of like the Suicide Squad. Like crosshairs yeah. on Superman's head, so. Or although some people have pointed out because his face looks kind of craggy, it could be Bizarro. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but we will find out some more information on August twenty second uh, during the DC Fandom, uh, which is a the weird virtual convention thing that the DC's doing with the, I think a lot of their. Uh, TV show and movie creators and actors and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have them doing some stuff there, so uh, we'll at least get word on what the heck Rocksteady's been working on for about four years at this point. I think Arkham Knight came out 2017? 2015, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. My f- it's been so long ago, I've lost track of what time it is. Uh, I guess 2016. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Arkham VR. Like, it was 2015 for Arkham Knight. Uh, wow. Uh, also, I just read uh, a little bit ago that I guess the rumored sale of WB Games uh, yeah. is not going to be happening. I essentially, guess. Essentially, their uh, corporate parents are no longer interested in selling them. Yeah. So they're going to be sticking around together uh, for a while. So that's uh, that's good news. Keep people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so... It's interesting stuff. Like I know there were a lot of people disappointed that oh they're not working on Batman or whatever, but 
uh, these companies can easily do a bait and switch here. I wouldn't be surprised. But like the main thing is that you know this was supposed to be a part of DC's fandom thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like I, I, I don't think very many people cared. But you know, if if you had a big game announcement, much less from Rocksteady, who's totally killed it with all their releases, uh, this 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 could cause some uh, some viral damage here, and uh, this is stuff to be excited for. I personally love Suicide Squad, even even the, the shitty movie I rather enjoyed. So yeah. uh, I look forward to it in game form, and it's Rocksteady, so I would assume like it would be more polished than the Avengers will be. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to see sort of what that game is. Because their their games uh, with the Batman stuff has been traditionally just focused around one character, uh, for yeah. the most part. You got little bits of playing as Catwoman or Robin or whatever, but you're primarily focused on Batman. So I'm curious to see like what uh, like a team based game would be like out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, before we get to some more heady stuff, we got something a little fun here about Yakuza like a dragon. Uh, the developer kind of changed their battle menus stuff, uh, so that it spells Sega after, uh, let's see, John Ricciardi, uh, here is one of the co-founders of 8.4 Localization Company, uh, pointed out that it's, uh, it says, uh, S-M-G-A, mm. uh, spells out, so he's like, oh, they could change, uh, more to, like, et cetera, or extra, to make it spell out Sega, and... That yeah. was back in June, so he got uh, an updated version, and they changed it to skills, etc., guard, and attack. So, hey, a little more Sega mm. in that game for you. Yeah. <laughs> nice little playing into a, a joke. Yeah. Uh, a nicer joke, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's fun. I mean, like, when, when devs have an opportunity to like add a little personal style to the game but then it, and it doesn't ruin it like yeah. I'm all for it like you, you look at Untitled Goose Game Untitled Goose Game happened because of a slap joke so yeah yeah uh, yeah that'd be nice to see that game finally come out over here and see kind of what it what it is because uh, we haven't really gotten too many option opportunities to kind of see it in action despite it being out in Japan by now uh, yeah let's get to uh, some Xbox news Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers can start streaming uh, their games via xCloud on September 15th. Uh, they're saying more than 100 games. Uh, there is a little caveat to that in that the testing on iOS uh, and Android uh, is ending on iOS. Android will get to keep uh, doing this uh, at release, and that seems to be because of Apple policies of like ecosystems from outside of their control. Uh, they do not like trying to make money off of uh, people that they can't make money off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you were playing the limited like test flight uh, beta of the, the program on iOS, uh, that will be ending pretty soon, if not already. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's... Uh, that definitely uh, makes sense with Apple's whole thing. Yeah. I believe Google Stadia is also in the same boat where it's just sticking to Android stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, not doing uh, iOS because, you know, they would have to offer purchase options and give Apple like 30% of their cut, uh, which Google and Microsoft do not want to do. Mm-hmm. 
for games that are bought within their own ecosystem. Uh, yeah, they do not like remote desktop clients, as it says here. Uh, that means apps are only allowed to connect to a user-owned host device or game console owned by the user. Mm. I think the only one kind of thing like that I've seen that's on iOS, I think, is uh, the remote play stuff that Sony has. Uh, but that's all running stuff from your machine. So I don't know how much it differs, but yeah, it's uh, it sucks for iOS people. But I'm curious to see how many of that, how many would actually use this stuff on Android. Uh, I don't use Android, yeah. so. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, um, I'm an iOS guy myself, but I am mm-hmm. interested in this technology. Um, and yeah. as as someone who has worked in the mobile games industry for a while, and you know does have to deal with the thirty percent thing, like it fucking sucks. You know, like this kind of makes me want to cancel Apple Arcade. Well, one, I don't I don't use it anyway, and two is like you know I I enjoy your products, but a lot of a lot of these decisions are about as backward as it gets. Like they, they almost remind me of Nintendo in that regard. Yeah. Um, but even even Nintendo will, will allow a fucking Microsoft game on their platform, whereas with Apple it's totally different. And it, it's it's funny because like um, in the US the US is, is the only place where um, iOS is king over Android. Android's going to allow it, and it'll make things better. I don't know if this will actually make me switch, but it's, it's, it's definitely on my mind. The only thing is that I'm so ingrained into, into Apple's ecosystem. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I know, like, uh, Kindle for Amazon, they only let you read the books on iOS versus on Android, where I can go look through the store and buy stuff and download it, uh, that kind of thing. That's uh, been definitely a big issue over the years, I think. Netflix might actually let you sign up for the service on Apple, uh, on like iOS or iPad or whatever, but I think they increase the cost of the subscription to cover that mm-hmm. 30%, something like that. There's some companies that do that, like pass the, the cost to the consumer. Mm-hmm. That thing, which is like, yeah, it just puts every company in kind of a weird space because they want to like own it so much of their ecosystem. Uh, which is just uh, makes sense, but it's a, still kind of a weird thing, especially when I think people pointed out uh, immediately after this that uh, somebody already put up a like Fall Guys clone on iOS. What I was saying was, you know, um, a- Apple's usually sitting on their high horse, saying, "Oh, um, the reason why we won't allow this is because we want to be able to, you know, look at every game before they're posted." But at the same mm-hmm. time, they're all these fake games with, with with source code stolen from other games, and it's it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing that just kind of makes them look like uh, hypocrites, where they just push out this this whole you know we want to make everything safe for the end user kind of thing, and it's like yeah, after letting these games in, then it's like oh this this includes some sort of exploits uh, that allows for people to put their own stuff on the system, that kind of stuff. Where it's mm-hmm. and it's like you guys aren't really doing anything really all that different from what Google is. You're yeah. just being super picky about uh, how you're dealing with the other corporations that want to make money off your platform versus mm-hmm. the little guys that are the ones that usually get the brunt of the uh, the effects of this stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's kind of a shame, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the uh, the way that this kind of stuff works. Uh, so hopefully Microsoft has plans for uh, the browser stuff. Uh, a little bit sooner than you might think. Because, yeah, just listening is only for Android. 
Mm-hmm. Probably increase some sales of Android phones for people to get, but uh, I see most people just abstain until they get easier ways to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's see. The other controversial thing, uh, Marvel's Avengers, uh, coming out here a little bit under a month now. Uh, finally talking about their release plans and uh, content updates for after launch, and they announced that Spider-Man's coming to the game. Yeah, uh, for PlayStation great. only. <laughs> yeah, for just for PlayStation. Uh, early 2021, I think they're saying for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weird thing, I believe, is like when they add these other characters to the game, they have like special uh, story missions that you know introduce them and uh, get them involved in the world and kind of explain all that, and Spider-Man just kind of getting dropped in. I guess yep. just as a fully formed character mm-hmm. of sorts, which is also weird to do so, such a character that's bigger than pretty much every other one in the game. Yeah. In terms of popularity. Uh, even dwarfing Hawkeye, who just got announced as a, the first uh, character that gets added after launch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man will be free to PlayStation players. Uh, I think along with that, they're adding some special cosmetic stuff. Yeah. Uh, two for each of the other characters. That'll be exclusive for like 30 days, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this just kind of puts a whole weird thing on the game. It's like, all right, you found something that people care about with this game to get mm-hmm. them excited. Uh, whatever direction that goes in, you know, whatever. But uh, the co- studio co-head of Crystal Dynamics kind of uh, spoke up to... Uh, comicbook.com mm-hmm. uh, about this and said so the beauty of Spider-Man and what Spider-Man represents as a character and as a world is again it comes back to the relationship with PlayStation and Marvel we have to be once you can execute and deliver when it comes down to choices of where and what Spider-Man can be mm-hmm. it's a relationship question that PlayStation absolutely has the rights to that, as you guys know, with Sony's ownership there and Marvel with Sony saying, hey, there's something we can do, something we can do on this platform. And so what we do as creators is say this is an opportunity that we can make something unique and fun and awesome that we all, you just talked about Black Widow, and to be able to have mm-hmm. that experience. So we love the idea of being able to bring this character to the PlayStation players. Yeah. Uh, that ended with, uh, but I really do think people will look at this and say, yeah, okay, we get that. We can understand the business behind that. But in general, I'm making this game for everybody. Mm. I didn't really understand much of anything that was said there. Yeah. It's Square Enix, again, stepping into it with one of their games to mm. put it in the bad lights. Uh, whether yeah. it's like the Rise of the Tomb Raider exclusivity, uh, there's yeah. the Dragon Quest Eleven uh, Definitive Edition on the Switch, getting upgrades that people on PC and PS4 have been asking for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, until recently, saying, like, oh, you guys can get this now. Mm. But it's a direct port of the Switch version, so it won't look as good as the game you guys have been playing. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. And the typical way they bring their old games to new platforms, and it's like, well, you got a 50-50 chance of it being a good port. Yeah. Versus one that needs a lot of work, or it's just, you know, farted out, and you guys have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, it's... This whole kind of thing where it's like, you know, Spider-Man, very popular character. I'm sure it'll be fine in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a whole weird thing. 
on the exclusive uh-huh. characters. They could have easily just yeah. stepped in and it said, we're not making this exclusive. Uh-huh. You know, we're going to require this to be on everything at some point. But it seems like Square Enix, whenever they get the opportunity to take money to for their own advantage over the player's advantage, they always take the money. Oh. Yeah, with, with, with as big as the Avengers have become over the years, as far as uh, mainstream popularity goes, you can't really not have Spider-Man on it. And that's exactly what Xbox was going through here. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, we're, um, a, a lot of us are in the privileged position to just go ahead and have both and make a choice from there. But And I, I understand the business side of it, especially with Spider-Man doing so well on the PS4. Mm-hmm. But like, e- even going back to my gameplay example, when I was talking about the Avengers beta, like, you know, they all they all control differently. They're all going to have their own stories. And when you use a character like Thor after playing God of War and having such a gameplay expectation, when you eventually use Spider-Man in the Avengers, and and if he if he doesn't play the way he does in Insomniac, people are going to talk about it. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not fair, but that's exactly what we're going to have to come up with here. And then, um, you know, people are going to say, oh, well, it sucks because he's not as good as he was in the, other, in the real Spider-Man game. And then, you know, it, it, it only feeds between the animosity between both uh, Microsoft and Sony fans, and it's really uh, unfortunate there. Like, you know, um, th- this this wouldn't be that big a deal to me if Spider-Man wasn't in Ultimate Alliance 3, but he is. So yeah. it's kind of like, oh, why, why, why block it? Um, so, yeah. like, everyone's saying that Sony's being, like, pretty anti-consumer here, but honestly, it, it sounds more like it, it's in Square Enix's. Like, the whole yeah. example you brought up with Dragon Quest and the whole Tomb Raider thing. Mm-hmm. There any, if anything, Square Enix is not loyal. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. pretty much all I gotta say. They're loyal to yeah. the money. And they're assuming that people that are interested in the game are going to buy it anyway. They might change whatever platform they're gonna get it on. Mm-hmm. But they assume that they're going to buy it anyway. Which is typically how this stuff has kind of been in the past when people get upset about changes and, you know, Call of Duty stuff, like, oh, we're gonna, you know, boycott this, and then you look and see, like, oh, all these people are still playing it. Mm. They didn't stand up in any way to show that they meant what they said. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. And Square Enix doesn't really care for the most part, I assume. Yeah. It seems like they're assuming they're gonna get the money either way out of you. Mm-hmm. Especially with this beta that you have to pre-order ahead of time. Yep. Uh, hopefully you pre-order at a retailer where you can cancel it, Actually, get the code. Uh, but if you pre-order digitally, as I assume they mm-hmm. would want out of everybody, uh, they kind of got you where they want you. Mm. That's just to find out if you even want the game or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's other weird stuff with that game as well. I think you can only have one of the characters in a party uh, at a time, so you can have like two Iron Men. Only one person gets the Iron Man. Uh, you have to swap over to a different character. Hopefully, it's not the one that you've been pl- putting all your time into. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing, where it's like, you look at like Destiny, it's like, imagine if Destiny required you to have one Warlock, one Hunter, and one, uh, I forget what the other class is. But if like, yeah. you had to have one of each class in your party, it's like, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Now they're trying to pay attention to the, the story stuff, but in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to the people playing it. Mm. They just want to play with the the heroes they've built up. Yeah, because considering I mean, it's a loot game. As long as the server has the right number number of daily active users, um, I don't imagine it being too much of a problem. Because 
at this point, like, I don't even have a favorite, a favorite character to use yet, so I don't even care. But uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see. Like, um, what, what I'm hoping for out of the Avengers is sort of like the Monster Hunter experience where, you know, anybody, as long as they fit, can join you. And uh-huh. as long as as long as the um, the loot is uh, shared properly, that, that, that's all I really care about with this kind of game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a game I wasn't really interested in in the first place, and still I'm yeah. not at this point. No. It's like they haven't done anything to get me interested, really. It just mm-hmm. seems like seems like a game like I would rather pl- play Marvel Heroes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, that's been pulled just from other BS, but uh, if Disney wanted to bring that back, uh, that would be great. I'd rather play that over this, and I can't play that, so... Uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole weird thing that Square Enix is in with this whole messy uh, situation with this game, which it's just been a whole string of uh, issues over the years. Yeah. Like, starting that with the, the big E3 presentation where they basically tried to act like the Avengers movies never existed. It's playing like, oh, here's all everybody on the Avengers. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's a surprise. It's like people haven't seen four movies with these people in them. Uh, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, to, like, showing gameplay and, like, small little bits of details that didn't satisfy people wanting to know what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, to finally showing it off, and people are like, well, what are these characters? They don't look like the ones I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's sort of a minor thing, because the characters change from time to time. They're not going to yeah. like the actors in the movies, because that's an extra uh, licensing fee just for mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, I'd be curious to see, like, how this stuff evolves as... We head up to the launch here next month. Mm-hmm. Whether the the people at Bellyache are actually going to buy it uh, and cave in or what. Uh, I'd be curious to see how that game does. Because mm-hmm. it has the big licenses to it to suggest it should sell really well. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like it's coming together super, super great from what you would want out of it. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. Keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, here we got our next thing. Uh, Blizzard employees uh, kind of started getting word that maybe they were getting underpaid, and sort of somebody uh, anonymously compiled a spreadsheet to mm-hmm. let others put in their salaries and kind of get an idea of what each one each person is kind of making and seeing that. Yeah. Not- see, this is one of those things that people in big companies really need to do is like share what their salaries are and yeah, stop treating it like a taboo thing to talk about. Yeah. It's, it's this, for some reason in American corporate culture, there's this idea that, you know, you can't, you can't talk about what you, what, what you make. It's like this, it's yeah. like it's impolite or something like that. And, but then people do it, and they realize that wow, we are getting really screwed here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, see, one employee, yeah, they did that. Um, talking about raises as well that they've been getting. Uh, yeah, so most of the raises are below ten percent, significantly less than Blizzard employees said they expected. Uh, following mm-hmm. this, uh, even somebody, one of the veteran Blizzard employees said they received a rest, uh, raise of less than fifty cents an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, making less now than they did almost a decade ago because they're working fewer overtime hours than they did back then. Mm-hmm. Which is like the rub there of like, I mean, you're getting work so hard 
uh, back then that you got paid more than you are now where you're getting treated mm-hmm. like an actual human being. Yeah. Uh, more like an actual human being now than you were then. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, that says bad things about both eras of that mm-hmm. uh, person's uh, experiences. Yeah. Of like, you uh, got paid really well because you were getting fucking work to the bone. Yeah. And now that you're... And you know, apparently yeah. I've been told that this isn't something that is necessarily... Not not exclusive to like Activision era Blizzard. No. Uh, this has been an issue with Blizzard for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily the the company's fault. Sometimes people are a little bit too complacent and don't really ask for the raises they deserve. It's times possible. where people you know know your worth. You know, ask for things. I mean, let, let's be honest. Like a bunch of the old of the old guard of Blizzard have gone on to other places. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like a, a, fe- a general thing with employment is people don't necessarily know what they're worth because you can, you know, you can go look it up like Glassdoor or whatever and get like a, a, a an estimation of what a job might be worth, but you never really know. Yeah, uh, but what makes all this especially egregious is that uh, Activision Blizzard released their earnings for this quarter and they have record profits. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Uh, they have. Uh, announced record profits. Like this is the end of the quarter for all the publicly traded companies, so mm-hmm. uh, we got a lot of information on that stuff, but not here in this uh, this week, just because most of it's like that. Eh, most companies are doing pretty well mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Uh, Activision Blizzard, yeah, uh, they uh, let's see. Activision Blizzard announces record second quarter 2020 financial results uh, with their highest revenue second quarter ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Net revenue is up half a billion dollars uh, compared to this time last year. Uh, so that is uh, great news for the company, but not for mm-hmm. its employees. Uh, as you know, back in 2018, they laid off about 8% of their staff, about yep. 800 people, uh, announcing the firings during the same earnings call in which executives congratulated themselves on a record-breaking earnings year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not immune to this stuff before, but... Uh, some of it comes from how high uh, the executives get paid, how much mm. they get paid, which uh, uh, Kodak in 2016 made $33 million, just over that, mm-hmm. uh, which was over 300 times the average employee salary at Blizzard, uh, which is not really how it should be. Uh, CEOs certainly should make more money than the average person, but they shouldn't be making some like 300 times what you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, that's the top 1% carving off more than their fair share of that, uh, money and not passing it down to the, the people that actually make you the money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause like they said like, oh, that's, uh, that sort of thing in 2016 happened because he had bonuses that, uh, overlapped, mm-hmm. uh, which like. Why don't the people, because I believe from this Blizzard report of the employees, like, them not really getting the bonuses they should get, uh, and because they're in, like, Southern California, which is mm-hmm. uh, a very high cost of living, uh, they are basically barely able to make ends meet, despite their company, you know, putting up record profits, you know, well mm-hmm. still makes tons of money for them and uh, their other games as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that should trickle down to the people that need it. You know, take care of your people, and they'll stick around. Mm-hmm. And we see why lots of Blizzard people tend to leave. 
Now stick mm. around as long as uh, you would like. All right. So yeah, that's yeah. uh. I, uh I, I, I echo you guys' sense of taboos not really having to be uh ta- or uh, sorry salaries and not having to be taboo. Um, actually, a, f- a friend of mine who who does work at Activision Blizzard or did work at Activision Blizzard uh, was mm-hmm. laid off. Um, he he wasn't really given a reason, and then he found out the reason why he was laid off was because uh, he was the highest paid person at his position. And honestly, he, he from what he said, it, 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 he deserved to be because of all this all the stuff he's done. But you know, at the end of the day, you're just a number, and if they can cut costs, they'll cut costs. So yeah. it's really unfortunate, especially in the gaming industry, where like you said, you know, the the CEOs at the top are making all this, where this the entry level people aren't aren't making very much at all. And especially in places like California, like um, you know, they're 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 making like what would be a high wage in some place like Alabama, but where they're more mm-hmm. driving by. Like, I'll, I'll tell you that I make upwards of 60K, and I live, I live with my mom, because that's it's, it's, it's how expensive it is here, here. so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of the, the, the double-edged sword you get. Uh, you get to work on cool stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but unless you're making that for yourself as, like, an indie studio, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably not getting the, the cut of it that you probably should. Mm-hmm. Uh, for as for as uh, uh, as much money as some of these really big games can make, mm-hmm. especially stuff like Call of Duty, which just puts out shit tons of money mm-hmm. uh, constantly. And I would not be surprised if those studios, the studios might get paid more than Blizzard, despite them making WoW the most successful MMO of all time. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And that's just kind of a sad sad thing to see. Uh, but yeah, let's see here. Oh, yeah, to finish off the show, we're going to talk about uh, Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced a fifth year of content here. Uh, season plan going from winter 2020 to fall 2021. Uh, now mm-hmm. some new characters. Uh, I believe Dan here is uh, returning, coming out this fall. Plus uh, four costumes. Rose, I believe, is another uh, existing character from before. Uh, yes. Spring 2021, Summer has Oro and Akira Kazama. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have Pat here, so he could explain more about these characters uh, mm-hmm. and all that. But uh, they also got a mysterious character coming next fall. Uh, along with that, there are some new stages, I think, with each of these drops and some new costumes as well. Uh, some stuff like that. So it seems like they got a, mm-hmm. a pretty meaty amount of content coming out for the next year uh, for as mm-hmm. much as they could. Uh, just okay. It says Oro debuted in Street Fighter Three. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final DLC character is Akira Kazama from Rival Schools. Okay. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is like the first time we've seen a Rival Schools character uh, connected with the Street Fighter world since like the original Rival Schools. Because yeah. I remember Sakura was a playable character in the original Rival Schools. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a season pretty interesting slate of characters there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose comes from, I think, Street Fighter 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan has been in many of the games as the the joke character. I'm surprised it's taken this long to get him in. Mm-hmm. Seems like he could have come in a little bit sooner, but hey, better late than never, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't even... It was already in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that stuff will be coming out uh, over the next year. Uh, for people that uh, still excited about Street Fighter Five, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that's not going to be sticking around for very long is uh, Yoshinori Ono. Yeah, he has announced that uh, he's leave- leaving Capcom. Yep. Uh, put up a big post on his uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
sort of thanking the fans for uh, being awesome uh, mm-hmm. about that stuff. Uh, talking about the Capcom Cup here a bit, Street Fighter as well, and working in Capcom in general for about 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seems to be ready to take his next step. Uh, I'd be curious to see what he's doing next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the the rumor is that there is a Street Fighter Six that's in the works. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, ideas he had for that were not exactly well received by others that were in charge. Uh, so he has been replaced with uh, somebody else. Mm-hmm. This at least corroborates the part that he is being replaced. Uh, it's a shame because he is always in any sort of Capcom bit on a press conference. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the highlights with his uh, sunny spirits. Always being excited about whatever he gets to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's not Street Fighter. Mm. Uh, so yeah. I think that is uh, our show for today. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and thank you to Dan Rib Victoria and Brandon Perkins. I'm your host Chris Logie. Uh We'll see you guys next Sunday. Have another slate yeah. of games to talk about. 